Welcome to the Active Knoxville podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you live an active and healthy lifestyle here in Knoxville. We will do this by providing you with practical and evidence-based health and fitness information. My name is Blake Bohannon, and I am a performance physical therapist here in Knoxville. My personal mission is to empower you to take ownership of your health. Along the way, I will interview the top health and fitness professionals in the area who can help you stay healthy, keep moving, and live a fulfilling life. I hope you enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Active Knoxville podcast. This is your host, Dr. Blake Bohannon, and I've got with me Todd Mills, who's the owner and lead instructor at Battle Rock Krav Maga, right? So been training Krav Maga a long time, helps people um, learn self-defense and build confidence in themselves that they can take care of themselves and their family. So how's it going, Todd? It's growing great. Thank you for having me today. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited. We've been talking about a lot of like really interesting topics. And so I'm really excited to hear Todd's take on self-defense and why it's something that everybody should learn, Mm -hmm. at least at a basic level. So first off, let's hear your story, Todd, and how you got into Mm self-defense. Like what were the beginnings? Why did you think it was important something that you wanted to learn in the first place and then decide that you wanted to be an instructor and help others along that journey? Awesome. Yep. So um, I'm a little bit unique in my self-defense story. Um, My father is Pete Mills, Grandmaster Pete Mills. He's been doing martial arts for, at this point in time, almost 57 years. So a long, long time. Um, He got it. Uh, I won't tell his story for him, but he he was in uh, the Vietnam War and picked up martial arts in the military there and uh, wanted to continue that in Knoxville. There really wasn't a lot of places to train, so he learned some golden glove boxing, and then just eventually he learned uh, Ishinru karate from Harold Long, and and then it's kind of gone from there. So he's always been involved in martial arts, self-defense, boxing, something, wrestling, to some sort. Um, so that's where my, that's really where my youth started. I was always doing some form of martial arts of, uh, punching, kicking. Uh, we did Ishinru karate. We did wrestling. Um, at that point in time, jujitsu was just barely coming on the scene. That wasn't even a thing yet. Oh, wow. That's like super popular now. Oh yeah. That's no, what everybody yeah, does. Yep. Yeah. BJJ was, uh, Royce Gracie in the UFC was just coming up. So, it, it, and it was, uh, nobody really knew all the capabilities that they fully had. So, okay. Um, was that so, stuff you were interested in back then even? Or? Yeah. Oh yeah. I love to, cause I, I mean, every little boy loves to just wrestle with their friends. Exactly. It's, it's like you get two boys together and that's what they do naturally. You don't have to tell boys to wrestle. Oh yeah, that's what I did because I wasn't um, fast as a kid, but I was always stronger than my friends. So I yeah. was like, "Well, let's wrestle. I don't want to play uh, right. I don't you know, know, I don't basketball or whatever. You. I don't <laughs> want to wrestle you to the ground." Exactly. Yeah. yeah show some physical dominance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so I was always doing. Always had self defense, uh, something along those lines going on. Uh, really got. Uh, I saw my dad teaching a lot, and that was where uh, it just kind of happened for me to start coaching and teaching people. Just, did he own a martial arts school? He did. Okay. Yep. 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 So a long time ago, he owned Pete Mills Karate, and then that evolved into Karate Sports Academy, when he started teaching other forms of Ishinru, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, Aikido, some other forms of martial arts that he had there. Um, so it became more than just Ishinru Karate. Uh, but it, yeah, so it was watching him 
coach, instruct was where I really uh, picked up that desire and want to want to do it, and it just happened naturally. I started leading kids classes, uh, full of energy. I didn't have anything else to do, so I after how old were you when you did that? Started coaching. Uh, Freshman in high school, probably. Okay. I was going to say, it sounded like you were a teenager. Yeah, I was definitely a teenager. He, he wouldn't turn me loose too young, but uh, uh, 14 years old. So okay. Somewhere in Leading there, some 13, of the kids' 14. classes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really, I, I, I enjoyed that. I've always been part of that. Um, of course, he wanted me to have a uh, useful degree in college. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, as every father wants uh, for their child. Um, and so I... I I have an in engineering degree, industrial engineering. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Went to Tennessee Tech in Cookville and um, was there four years and got an industrial engineering degree. And um, I continued to do martial arts. It wasn't as big a part of my life just because I was, I'd was i moved away. Um, and engineering school is hard. Engineering, yeah. It's I been mean, a long college time is, is difficult. You, you're kind of finding your way. It was the first time I'd ever really been away from home. Um, so it, it was one of those things where I was trying to, trying to figure myself out, trying to figure school out. Uh, how do I do laundry? How do I cook? Uh, all the regular things. <laughs> I that never you learned do. any of yeah. those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The things I'm still not real good at. Um, but I did survive that somehow. Um, so after, after I was, I uh, went through college, I started to, to do some work at Denso manufacturing as an industrial oh, yeah. engineer. And then, uh, I moved to the, the plant at uh, Y12, and I worked there for several years. Um, so, uh, but uh, even all throughout, I always enjoyed fitness training, martial arts, boxing. I was always involved in some some way. So you still trained it all the time, even though yeah, that's not what you were. My Janice, my wife, would definitely agree that uh, I would work, uh, and then two or three times a week at least, I would be training three or four hours a night. And that's just what I, it's just kind of part of me. And she knew that when, when we got married, that's just part of who I was. Um, and that's what she married into. And she, at that point in time, she, now she does Krav Maga with me. And so, you know, Janice from, from that perspective, but she wanted nothing to do with martial arts. Um, whenever we got married, that's just your thing. Yeah. That's my thing. You go do that. I'll do, I'll be your wife. I'll go do this, this thing. Um, she loves basketball, volleyball. Okay. So she's always been into athletics and mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah. She played basketball and volleyball in college. Okay, cool. And enjoyed that. Um so but, she had her own physical pursuits. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting's your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So we we kind of did different things. Uh we were single and not really a whole lot of uh worries in the world yet. And both had jobs. She's a nurse. Um, I was engineering school or engineer, and we we did our things. Um, but uh, just felt um, after fifteen or so years after college, I'd felt that I wanted to do my own thing, and um, uh, I enjoyed doing what teaching, coaching, leading martial art classes. Um, but there was this different aspect, Krav Maga, that I had been um, really. Eyeing and uh, saw some videos. I've uh, saw some seminars with Krav Maga and them. Uh, watched lots of other people do those things, do uh, Krav Maga demonstrations, and it was always something that I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed the philosophy, the self defense aspect. Uh, there really isn't a lot of art form to Krav Maga. It's no na- no nonsense. You get your. It's a violent 
attack. You know, you're being attacked. You've got to defend yourself type thing. Okay. You feel like that's what differentiates it from other martial arts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in martial arts, you'll learn, you'll learn forms and techniques and there's, uh, you learn this form, you get a belt. Uh, Krav Maga is not so much like that. So it's not like you learn 10 techniques, you get a belt. Uh, That's not, it's, you learn how to defend yourself. And okay. once you've def- able to defend yourself against certain techniques, then you can start learning additional techniques. So there's not a belt system or anything well, comparable? Or is yeah, <laughs> it depends on the type of Krav Maga that you learn. Uh, some, okay. some Krav Maga schools use belts. Um, back in the day with Emi Lichtenfeld, it was military-based, is rank-based, just like you would have private, sergeant, captain in the military. Uh, they had that same, they adopted that same format. And uh, civilians really couldn't learn or train in Krav Maga. Um, and then that evolved, and now they have a civilian form of Krav Maga where they do use belt some. Um, what I teach is the true military curriculum that's directly from the Israeli Defense Forces. We've been over there, we've trained with them, I have partnerships with them. Um, and so we, we share techniques, we share curriculum and, uh, I, I don't use belts because of that. We use rank. So we, okay. have, we call them levels. So when you said they, who is they created a civilian Krav Maga? As well? Um, the, so Amy Lichtenfeld has kind of been the former, uh, or the founder of Krav Maga. Okay. Uh, but it, that it, it is a part of the Israeli military, the Israeli defense force. So they being the commanders in charge of coming up with the techniques that the, the soldiers need to learn and need to be able to be proficient at. Uh, okay. So, it, so then they came up with a civilian that Israeli people will learn. Yeah. Or can be taught in schools. Can there. be taught. In, yeah. It can be taught in schools can be taught outside of the military, uh, trained, because uh, a lot of times you'll have people, it is a requirement to go through the military in Israel, but uh, they'll be out of the military, and it's something that they wanted to encourage people to continue to learn how to do and to learn to, to continue that. Uh, so they have the civilian form along with the military of what you're going to learn when you're in service. Okay, so they all go through some Krav Maga training because you were telling me earlier, all Israelis or Jewish Israelis. I yeah. can't remember the differentiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ju- Jewish Israelis have to serve. Mm-hmm. They, the they, they do. They serve in the military. They're all, they all come into the military, men, women alike. Uh, and they all learn the, the basics, uh, which uh, there's a certain fitness level that they have to meet mm-hmm. along with uh, shooting and hand to hand combat. And then they have the regular uh, enlisted uh, procedures of, how to dress, how to stand, how to march, how to carry a gun, uh, the basic things. And they're 17 years old. So there's a lot of discipline that goes along with that that is really part of that too. So Okay, just like with any 17-year-old? Just like with any 17-year-old, yeah. So there's there's a lot of running, a lot of push-ups, a lot of torture. Beneficial, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should start doing that. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe not. Yes, yeah. Um, so the Krav Maga, uh, had caught my eye and it's something that I, I enjoyed doing, enjoyed training in. And, um, uh, I was blessed with an opportunity, um, just to, to be with the Krav Maga director, Marty Kell, uh, for, he's the director of Krav Maga Association. Um, and, um, really just him and I, we hit it off my dad, um, and, um, he enjoyed 
us training like that. And so we, we really took off from that point in time. And that's something that I tried to put a little curriculum together. And uh, obviously not everyone wants to join the military that go, comes into the, the school, the Battle Rock Krav Maga school. Right. So we tried to break that up into different levels, different um, abilities of self-defense. Some people just want a little bit of self-defense. And then some people are all in. They want everything they can, they can handle. Right. So, um, whole bunch of different things, but so is that on the, at the beginning of your Krav Maga journey, is that when you went to Israel to no. learn the system? No. Okay. That was like no. a later thing. That was probably eight years into uh, oh, okay. Krav Maga. Okay. Yeah. Significantly into yeah. it. Yeah. So, and that, that was really meant for my betterment. I could have gone earlier, but, um, I would not have been at the level I needed to, to accept the instruction that was given to me. That makes sense. Okay. Um, so I need, I needed a certain level of proficiency in the techniques and the training and how to train before I went over there and really was able to take that to a whole nother level of, of training and coaching. So, right. And you're telling me earlier that you should always be improving mm-hmm. in cropping. I mean, you should always be improving in everything, right? If you look yeah. back and say, I'm the same as I was five years ago, that's mm-hmm. not a good thing. Right. 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 So how, how is that that you can always be getting better at Krav Maga? And you say that it took you eight years to get to a level where you felt like you were ready for a next level of instruction. Mm-hmm. So yep. how is that? Uh, so, I mean, the, 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 there's principles behind Krav Maga. Uh, you can learn self-defense quickly. You can learn it. So for, for someone to say it's going to take me six months to teach you how to defend yourself, uh, is, is just not true. I mean, in a couple hours, I can teach you how to defend yourself effectively. And um, now the training that goes along with that afterwards is totally different. I can give you this, the techniques and the skills necessary for you to train and for you to be okay. Uh, but for me, I needed to feel confident and proficient in not only the technique, but the drills that go along with the technique, the technique, the stresses that go along with the technique, the psychology behind um, how to fight and how to, what happens in a self-defense situation. Um, so there's so much more to just punching somebody in the face, you know, right? They're like, I got, if somebody attacks me, I'm just going to punch them or shoot them or stab them or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. But some people just have this idea, but they aren't really prepared to right. do it. It's, there's so much more to that. Yeah. Yeah. But just being mentally prepared beforehand and then afterhand, uh, the, the situation happens, um, so for me, I, I, it took me a while to get to that point where I needed, I felt confident in my abilities. I knew what I was doing. And so when I went to, to train at a higher level, I wasn't, I didn't have to worry about, am I doing the technique correct, correctly? Am I not? Am I doing the drill correctly or not? Cause I had been exposed to those already. I wanted to learn how to coach other people, really how they go about improving the Krav Maga system, um, because every year we we uh, sit down and we talk about the techniques that we have, what works, what doesn't. Bad guys are improving too. They're learning jujitsu. They're learning how to wrestle. They're learning how to shoot better. I mean, they're not. We're not back in the Western days. Still, they're they're learning to improve too. So we want to improve and get better as they get better or better than them. Uh, that's our philosophy. Um, okay. Very cool. So you were telling me that it's really important to have situational awareness. And like you said, there's more to it than just punch somebody in the face, right? Mm-hmm. You need to have, a, a, I guess, a game plan mm-hmm. ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Why, 
Why is that so important? You know, a lot of people, this is almost like a morbid conversation. A lot of people just shy away from it. The don't train self-defense or this isn't front of mind for them and they don't want it to be. Mm-hmm. They want to just kind of, uh, um, kind of, I don't, I don't want to say be ignorant, but just, uh, not think about it. Right. It's just like something they don't want to think about right. the, the fact that they could end up having someone attack them at some point. Yeah. Why is it important to think through that and have a game plan for what's going to happen? You know, I mean, nobody wants to, to be attacked and nobody really wants, it goes around thinking, um, I'm going to be attacked today. And, and for the most part, the human race avoids that. They, they want to put themselves in positions where they feel comfortable and they, they are not that way. But, uh, you and I know we want to do hard things, right? So, um, sometimes, sometimes we don't always get to, uh, not be, or be in a comfortable position. We can't sit at home all day. We can't always live way far out in the country and not interact with people. Uh, so you're going to be around people. You got to get out of your house. some. got to get out of your comfort zone. Some that's really when you're, uh, vulnerable to certain self-defense things or so being attacked situations, yeah. self-defense situations. So, um, that I, w- I always think of, of people needing to be, to have the confidence to go through life and not worry about that. When you stop, when you step out of your house, you know, worry about your keys, worry about your wallet, um, and then always have the tools necessary to defend yourself with you. So um, whatever that looks like for everybody, everybody's confidence level is different. Some people just need a little bit and they feel comf- comfortable to go throughout life. And then other people want a whole lot more. So, um, I mean, we've had, we've had everybody from military, law enforcement, missionaries, we, um, lots of women and children that, that come through the program and, and they want to, to better themselves and to know that if something did happen, that they would be safe. So, all right. So do you, do you feel like self-defense training is something that everyone should go through no matter what? Mm-hmm. I, I do. I, I've, I, we, we talked about that earlier, but I, I believe that everybody, I, I think it should be part of high school or college curriculum that, that just like you do PE or you learn basic math or in English, you should learn how to punch and kick and get out of certain grabs and, and be able to defend yourself. That's that would, for our society that we're in, it would go a long, 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 long way. Um, especially for, for women and children that are uh, like, I mean, bullied. We talk about bullies all the time. Um, if everybody has certain training, um, punching and kicking and how to defend themselves, bullies would be a lot, uh, uh, a lot fewer than what they are. Um, so same thing with, with women. I mean, they're, they're vulnerable because most people uh, think they're weaker and they're not able to defend themselves, which is simply not true at all. Um, we, well, it doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be. Yes. Right. 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 There, there's lots of techniques and uh, that's what Krav Maga is about is whether you're a man or a woman, I'm going to teach you a certain set of techniques that it's going to be very effective at defending yourself. Um, so it doesn't depend on strength and it doesn't depend on sex. It's, it's, it's no matter, no matter what. Right. So I, I think, um, earlier we were talking about how I feel like a lot of people's opposition to learning self-defense would be, you know, maybe I'm not one of those people that wants to get in fights and I'm, you know, I kind of identify myself as not being aggressive or not being uh, someone who has to show my dominance. And so that's not, I'm not interested in fighting. So, um, you were talking about how having that confidence and knowing that you could defend yourself if you needed to actually might reduce the chance that you would mm-hmm. feel like you needed to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, I would strongly agree with that. Um, the more you, the more you get into a fight, 
the less likely you are to want to get into a real fight because you know how bad it's going to turn out. Um, and the same thing with self-defense. The, the further you progress in your self-defense um, training, you're less likely to want to get into those situations because you know how bad they could be. You know how bad. You know, I don't really want to ever hurt somebody on purpose uh, unless they really need to be hurt. Then then we're going to hurt. But otherwise, I'll have the confidence to, to walk away from a fight. If somebody's just talking to me, you, know, you can say whatever you need to say. And I'm going to try to go the other way, and that's just that's just me and who I am. That's the that's my morality. Um, now, there's a certain line that's that I've drawn that when you you cross that line, I will attack and I will defend my family. I will defend myself, and that, that's a line. Uh, but for the most part, I want everybody to be to be confident and and to be able to go through life without just worried of, uh, you know, um, that stalker that's, that's been bothering them, the bully that's been bothering them, um, that maybe they just want to even be confident to walk down the street and not, not shy away from certain things. So. Right. Not feel like you can't mm -hmm. just live your life. Right. Like, yeah. like you can't be at in downtown on right. a Saturday night or something because you're just nervous about things right. happening. Right. So you talked about that line and that's something that you've already thought through, right? Mm -hmm. This is what a situation looks like when I will defend myself. And this is what a situation looks like when I might feel mad, but I don't need to hurt anybody. Nobody needs, you know, nothing needs to get violent, right? Do you think that is something that people need? Everyone needs to think about that situation and know what they would do? Or is it, is it only people who carry a self-defense weapon or something like that? Or is it everybody that needs to think through that? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I think everybody needs to know. Um, you have to search your soul and your morality for um, what what are you comfortable with? You know, are you if you had to kill somebody, are you comfortable with that? And, I, and, I, and that that's pretty violent, right? If, right. If you had to stab somebody to protect your family or to protect yourself, would you be willing to do that? And that's that's something that not everybody is comfortable doing, and that's okay. But we need to we need to figure that out beforehand, <laughs> before that you don't situation. Want to decide it in the moment, right? Yeah, it, it, when somebody sticks a gun in your face, and then you're like, I don't know if I could shoot him or not. Well, that's too late at that point in time. So we need to figure that out beforehand. Give you the tools and techniques to not be in that situation, or to to be able to defuse that. Um, yeah. So is is avoiding those kind of situations mm -hmm. something that you learn at Battle Rock as mm -hmm. well? Yeah. Ninety percent of self defense is mental. Ninety percent. So you. It's avoiding the situation. Uh, we, we, we talk about everything from how do you walk to a car in your parking lot? Where do you park? Where do you sit on a bus? Where do you sit on a train? Where do you sit on a restaurant? Um, you know, even who do you associate with? Oh, how, are you associating with a crowd that, that uh, can get rough and rowdy? Well, you're a lot more likely to be in a self-defense situation. Um, right. So we, we talk about all those different things, and, um, and we do – talk about punching and kicking and techniques that you need. But a lot of self-defense is just working mentally through those scenarios. Um, you know, going, going through a grocery store, somebody's following you uh, up and down the aisle. What do you do? Who do you talk to? Do you have kids with you? Um, do you have a weapon? Do you not have a weapon? You know, all those things you got to think about. Um, mm. But we try to go through those situations in class. And that's that's really gets people's minds turning uh, to, right. to that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people's opposition to doing that kind of mindset training and thing through this stuff is that they just don't want to be that person that's worried all the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you were talking about the fact that you've thought through it and that you know what you're going to do 
can lower your stress levels around those things to where it's something that you're just, you're confident going through life and you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to say that I've, uh, I have not sought out self-defense situations to put myself in. Right. Um, but it has happened before. And I, and when those situations arise, um, I'm able to be a little calmer. Um, I'm not aggressive and, uh, I, I have a game plan already kind of going through right. my mind beforehand. Um, so it's, it's something that I've done and I've trained. Um, and that's something that we take our students through too. We do stress drills in class and, um, those are very intimidating. We don't throw you just into a stress drill your first night or anything by any means, but, uh, we want, we want, what does a stress drill look like? Okay. So yeah, Explain great, great question. Um, so a stress drill is something where we, we want to stress you out and then we will apply certain attacks to you to see what you, your reactions are. Um, that way we can go nice and slow and rehearsed in class with the techniques, but that really doesn't work. That doesn't train your mind and your body to, to know how to react in certain situations. So it's things like, uh, a minute of push-ups as fast and as hard as you can. People are yelling at you. They're screaming at you. And then when you stand up, somebody chokes you, front chokes you. Um, they get you in a headlock. Uh, they grab a wrist. They do a bear hug. Maybe even once you're more advanced, they start. They take you down to the ground. You know, How do you get somebody off the top of you? Um, and then when you're really advanced, especially with our law enforcement and defensive tactics that we teach, uh, somebody, you, you get the stress level there and then you find a weapon, somebody sticks a gun in your face, they have a knife, they have a club, two people attack you, three people attack you. So all these different scenarios we work through, uh, but the whole purpose between the stress drill is to give you the confidence to defend yourself and to lower your heart rate as you're thinking through and as you're trying to defend yourself. Um, so to make good decisions, even in that really stressed out mm -hmm. state, because yeah. yeah. you're going to be stressed out, it's yes. almost impossible to say like, oh no, I'm going to be able to keep a cool head when somebody attacks me. Uh, yes. I mean, e even trained UFC fighters before a fight, their heart rate automatically goes up. Right. It's just, if you, if they're wearing a heart rate monitor, uh, five, well, let's start 30 minutes before the fight. It's a, uh, a certain heart rate. It's going to progressively go up and up and up and up. They haven't done any fighting yet. It's just the anxiety of the fight. Right. That they're good and that they're going, the same thing works for us. If we're, we see a guy that is aggressive or that it looks like we need to defend ourselves, our heart rate's going to go up. That's how God has made us. Uh, as that guy gets closer and closer and closer and closer, your heart rate goes up. Your focus gets really tunneled on that person. You don't see anybody else because um, you're thinking about how in the world am I going to defend myself or my family. And, right. Uh, so that's where we want to train. We want to train at that level and then see what you're capable of. And we can correct techniques. We can correct mindset. Um, we've, uh, I've also had the privilege of working with several Christian psychologists um, that uh, we've been able to put some people under stress and to try to overcome some situations that they've been in the past. Um, so there's, that's, a, that's pretty far-fetched. Like that, some PTSD kind oh, of yeah. situations that mm -hmm. we're talking yep. about? Yep, yep. Like previous military uh, law enforcement officers okay. um, that that are dealing with some some hard things that they've seen, right, and right. Uh, um, and we so probably we, something where 
a, a really stressful fighting situation could trigger something negative right. for them. Right. But le- them learning how to control that. Okay. So the, so the stresses of the, the push-ups, the burpees, the jumping jacks, whatever we put you through, that stress, and then being attacked on top of that, but being able to control your aggression and your fight while you're being attacked, um, that helps that person really go through life. I mean, that's, that's, that's their, because they're, they're trying to process that PTSD and not in uh, in a, in a helpful way and not be, right. um, in a controlled situation. Yeah. Where they know what's going to happen. Right. So it's all, it's like gradual exposure. It's a lot like rehab. You know, a lot of times rehab is taking something that irritated someone and that they can't tolerate and then finding what they can what, where can we work with now? And let's gradually expose you to more and more mm-hmm. until it's not a problem for you anymore. Right. 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 So it's kind of like that. That's right. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, uh, I mean, with law enforcement, military, we talk about PTSD, but even like ladies rape, aggressive, um, a lot of, a lot, unfortunately, a lot of women come to us. Uh, they've been battered in some way, aggressive relationships and things like that. And uh, um, we, we try to have a safe place for them to process some of that and to get that out. Um, okay. So uh, we have a special program that we work with. It's, it's ladies and ladies. I no men are involved in that process at all. So is it someone that you partner with to get them connected with? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I'm sure you do have people come to you wanting to learn self-defense because they've had a personal experience. Yeah, yeah it works both wish. ways. Yeah, so psychology uh, or psychologists send them to us and we go back the other way too. Uh, okay. So sometimes yeah. the psychologists identify this as something they should mm-hmm. learn how to defend themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's, they've been in the situation before. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And th- there's only there's only so much when you're 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 talking through your feelings and you're laying on a couch. You've got 30 minutes with a psychologist. Uh, there's something about exercise that releases the emotions of life. Um, I mean, and even you know of lifting weights, uh, hard exercise. Sometimes that's good for you. It, it's oh, it's just good to release the emotions that if you've had a hard day, go out and and do your favorite workout, whatever that is, and do it hard, and that that re- makes that day a lot better. Um, oh, definitely. That's one of the biggest things that I try and get people to understand that are dealing with chronic pain is that the fact that you quit working out is one of the things that's playing into this being worse because mm-hmm. now it's affecting your life and it's taking things away from you that you value and that you wanted. And so we have to figure out some way for you to work out hard and feel that there's actually research showing that just a hard workout decreases pain. So it's exercise induced analgesia. So it actually, and it, you know, I totally believe that it also reduces psychological pain and emotional pain. I mean, there's been times in my life where that's been true that you just have to go Mm -hmm. sweat it out and you feel a lot better, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's yeah. a chemical endorphin release and then also just a place where it's just you working hard. Right, right. Yeah, so having a, a safe space for so that people can do that, um, that's what we try to provide. Um, and we, we've have a, we have a curriculum that people can uh, go through all the way up through. I mean, we've done full-on like executive protection, VIP protection for people um, capable of, of providing defensive tactics for law enforcement. A um, whole bunch of different things. So um, it's something that I've enjoyed. People have really poured into me, and um, and I, I, I want to pour back into people. Um, I feel like that's a, that's a share. We, uh, we we commonly talk about community at Battle Rock because okay. it's not about me. It's not about the coaches. It's about students and people coming together 
doing something they enjoy and doing life together. Um, so it's not uncommon for, for me to, to have small groups of people training on their own, learning on their own, wanting to just get together and have dinner. Um, and I love it when that happens because that, uh, to me as a coach, I feel like I'm doing something right then because it's not, it's so much more than the technique. It's yeah. about the people and the relationships and them having an outlet to go through life with. Yeah, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than Krav Maga. It's bigger than, you know, any one thing you can put a finger on. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 That's awesome. So what's the, um, what's your main offering at Battle Rock? Like what would it look like if somebody wanted to sign up for some classes at Battle Rock? Yeah. yeah. So we, uh, so we, we have specialty courses where we, we specifically teach uh, gun disarms, knife disarms, law enforcement, uh, defensive tactics. Uh, but then for the majority of the people that come through our program, we have levels. So levels one through six, uh, levels one is going to be an eight-week program. Uh, throughout COVID, we offered started offering ten week programs for people just because it, it's a little bit harder. If you if you do get sick, you miss a week or two. We want people to have the flexibility to do that. But having a set program of eight weeks, we felt like that was a comfortable commitment. Um, that way, people wouldn't just come in for a month because I don't know that you could learn enough in a month to f- confidently defend yourself. And I'd. I'd I didn't want people to shortchange themselves. It'd probably be a disservice yeah. to your members right. for them to not understand that they would need a little bit more. Right. Yes. Yeah. I didn't want to be, cause you, I almost feel like in a month you're just getting started. You're punching, you're kicking, you're kind of getting a groove of how class flows, who the coaches are, um, how things work. And then it's really those next four weeks that people come alive and they understand and, uh, it's, it's more applicable. Um, so eight week programs is what we offer, um, throughout, throughout the year. We try to offer four to five of those a year. That way people can kind of stagger and get involved when they need to. Um, and, uh, that's really the, the majority of people. That's how they come, come into the program. Okay. So somebody thought I, you know, I don't want to train self-defense as my, you know, fitness outlet or, you know, I don't want to do this forever. I just want to learn how to defend myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I realize this is important and I should learn how to do it. So mm-hmm. let's do it. Is one eight week cycle pretty adequate for that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one eight week cycle is, um, level is w- what we would call level one. Okay. It is going to teach you punches and kicks and some basic grabs of like a wrist grab chokehold and, uh, probably a few other, other like bear hugs maybe a little bit of grappling, depending on what nights you come different. We, we do combative grappling. Um, so that's a, so it's, it just depends on what you're exposed to, what nights you choose to come and things like that. But, uh, I, eight weeks, you should be more than adequate to, to have the techniques to be, to be, uh, confident to defend yourself. However, it is a perishable skill. So whether you choose to continue to train with us, you need to, to, Train some on your own, at home, uh, on a heavy bag. You've got to find a friend to train with. So it's, what do you recommend for people for maintenance? Like you're talking about kind of maintaining the skill set. Yeah. So, so, so let's say they want a bare minimum. Yeah. I actually have a, a few students that's that's told me that before. And so they, they train once a year. Once a year they come in and they do an eight-week session. Okay. Um, I feel like that's the bare minimum. I mean, I, I would prefer they come in at least every like three to six months. Uh just to, if nothing else, just to come and hang out and get a refresher course in. Uh, but 
I do have some students that just come in. They'll do one eight-week session a year, um, and that's just what they want to do. Uh, right. So I, I would, I would. That's that would be my bare minimum. At least once a year, try to try to learn self-defense. Okay. What about just some ongoing? Like I've people ask me this kind of question a lot at the end of a physical therapy plan of care is either. Either they're already a athlete who spends a lot of time training, and so they don't want to continue doing a lot of rehab. They want to know what it is I should be supplementing in my training to make sure I don't get injured in this way again. Or they are really just aren't interested in training, even though that's a lot of times that's really what would make a lifestyle change is like a continued habit of training or, you know, training self-defense or training your body physically. They want to know what's the bare minimum to keep me out of pain. Cause that's really why I came to you. I want to know how to do that. So if people come to you and they're like, I really want to learn self-defense at the end of the eight week course, I just want to know how often do I need to drill this? You know, maybe I'm just going to do it with my spouse. What, and I only, I want the bare minimum techniques mm-hmm. to train. What, what would be your advice to them? <laughs> um, I, I kind of feel like they're, they're, asking the wrong question. Okay. And the reason I say that is because, around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, you're, you're, what's, what's the worst that I could do and still live. Okay. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I mean, uh, so uh, that's, that would be my advice to them is, um, you don't want to go through life and be like, I, I'm just barely skating by, you know, I, I made minimum wage for the last 30 years of my life. That no, nobody wants to do that. Nobody sets that goal. So, even if they don't, it's something that happens passively to you, right? So even if if they don't, if they choose not to train with me, find there's lots of YouTube videos, uh, you know, all sorts of Instagram, Pinterest. Learn to box, learn new skills, do something, uh, but don't stop. I, I feel like I have done a disservice as a coach if I haven't motivated them to continue in some form or fashion in something, whether that they may not be training with me, they may not be doing self-defense, but choose something to do. Um, you know, from a self-defense perspective, I think people at least need to learn how to punch and kick. I, I think everybody needs to, you need to know how to do that without hurting yourself. Let me, let me rephrase that. <laughs> Cause a lot of people will punch, punch and kick the right way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about people and, um, I'm just going to punch you upside the head, but people's heads are hard. And um, so there's a right way to punch. (laughs) There's a right way to punch people and there's a wrong way to punch people um, in that. And we talk about that in class. Um, But, uh, you know, just just knowing some of those things um, and uh, wanting to wanting to better yourself and not just uh, not just get by uh, in life. So it sounds like a lot of it is mindset. So somebody came to you and told you that you would try and change their mindset around would, that whole situation. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that would be, that would be my goal in, yeah. in that session is to, to say, you know, you're, you're coming to me and you're saying, I want to just barely get by in life. And I'm like, no, we, we're not made to just barely get by in life. We're made to excel and to, to, to do the best that we can and all the, do the hard things, right? That's where, when you do a hard thing, you get to the end and you're like, man, that's good. I, it was hard, but then you go tell all your friends how hard it was, and then you want to go do something again. It's running a marathon. It's hard. It's hard. And then you get to the end of it, and you're like, I just ran a marathon. You're on a high, and you don't want to do one right then. But six months later, I'm, I'm ready to do another one. Um, so th- those doing those hard things in life, uh, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. Yeah, what else do you think? What other benefits does exposing yourself to hard things benefit people 
mentally, physically, you know, the obvious thing is physically you get stronger when you, when you work out hard, but we were talking earlier about some of the benefits of doing, sometimes you do things that suck just because they suck Mm -hmm. because it's, it's good for you mentally and it makes you a a stronger person, Mm -hmm. you know, not just stronger physically, but a stronger person. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, emotionally, I, th- I feel like that that's where a lot of people could benefit from doing some hard things and going through hard things. Because we think of hard things as uh, um, my dog died. Um, I quit my job. Those are, and I don't want to d- downplay those. Those are hard things. Yeah. But when you go through those things, it makes you appreciate life a lot more. And then it looks, you something else hard comes up and you've already been through a hard thing. I know I can get through this one hard thing, so let me get through another hard thing. Right, and naturally we avoid anything difficult. You were talking about that earlier, about how we just avoid any kind of discomfort in life. And as human beings, that's what we gravitate towards, mm-hmm. is just trying to be as comfortable as possible and avoid any anything being difficult for us and anything making us feel uncomfortable. And then... You know, if we don't consciously seek out discomfort, well, what does that do to us? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to be honest, uh, it, it, it kind of, it's where, we're, where a lot of people are at right now. You know, they, they, they've not sought the discomfort of life out and they're just living life. They get 50, 60 years old and it's the same place that they were 20 years ago. Um, maybe that, excuse me, maybe that's from kids. Maybe that's from family. Maybe that's from a situation that people have been in. Well, just life happens to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You get to the end of life and you're like, wow, what did I do? Or what didn't I do? Um, and that, that's, that's really where I want people to start living. And what are, what are some hard things? Let's figure things out. We, there's been some great people that's gone before us and they've blazed some paths to get us to where we're at now with technology, um, uh, even as a country, you know, the freedoms that we have. Um, so what, what, what else is out there? What are we not doing? Are we just existing? Um, and that's beyond Krav Maga. But I mean, that, I feel like that's part of Krav Maga and part of self-defense is helping people just be better at themselves. Right. It's just an avenue for self-improvement and yeah. it's a place to learn these mindsets and to learn these attitudes mm-hmm. to apply to other places in your life. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what's your vision for not only battle rock, but just, you know, how you want to impact people's lives through Krav Maga and, you know, teaching people about mindset and, you know, how to grow. Mm -hmm. Like how, what is your vision for how you can impact people going forward? Yeah. I mean, so, um, I'm thinking uh, as far as Vision goes with, uh, we, we talk about community and we talk about people. We, we want to invest in people. We want people to be the best that they can be. Um, I want, I want the community, especially here in Knoxville. I mean, that's where I live and where I work, but, uh, I want that to be the best community that it can be. Um, and, uh, there's, there's some violence. There's some hard things that's going on right now in Knoxville. Um, that if you, if you read the, the newspaper, a lot of people, they're, they're, they're filled with hate and rage. And to be able to offer an avenue uh, out of that, nobody, I don't, I don't know that anybody enjoys being angry, um, but pro- being able to process that uh, is, is something that I would, I would love to, to help people do and to get, to get better. Uh, 
and that that's that's the community part of of people growing together, being together, working through life together, trying to figure things out. We're all going to be different, but surely we can be friends and be different. You know, we we mm. can we can have differences in that. <coughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so this is a Knoxville podcast. So when we wrap it up, we always talk about um, three rapid fire questions to wrap it up. Okay, so what is your favorite place to eat in Knoxville? Lytton's. That was really quick. Okay, and you live in Fountain City, I so do. that makes sense. <laughs> I do. Right around the corner Central from High Lytton's. School is where I went to high school. So Lytton's is 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 my game. I think I might have already had Lytton's. I'm not sure. It might it might already have two points on the scoreboard. Okay, and then what is your favorite way to stay active in Knoxville other than training Krav Maga at Battle Rock, obviously? Oh, man. I, I love to be outdoors, hiking and running, biking, just be, getting outdoors. Okay, so what's your favorite spot to go to? Uh, lately I like arms. I mean, I like, I like hot, uh, hiking at arms and doing some of the trails there. Yeah. Arms is awesome. It's convenient. Super easy to get to. Do you always park at like the Meads quarry parking? Uh, depends on what, how I'm feeling for the day. Sometimes the Meads quarry, sometimes just up at the, like the main area, um, where the, the greenways are, where the greenways is. Yeah. Okay. And then just walk, just start walking. Okay. Running. Awesome. So if you could have any one superpower, what would it be and why? <laughs> Oh wow! Uh, this is my favorite question. Power. That some is, people have some really interesting one. ones. Oh, uh, man. Uh, hmm. A superpower for probably like wisdom and discernment of know when to do certain things. Um, like the, I guess, like the ability to to quickly see, glance into the future. Uh, oh, okay. Like a, like a wisdom of if I make this decision, it's going to impact. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, it almost seems like if you could do that, you would make, I mean, you would have wisdom. You'd make wise decisions. Yeah, if you could yeah. see the outcomes of things immediately, that's a really good yeah. one. So being able to to see into the future a little bit in that heat of the moment. I think there's some TV shows that were like that where you could see what would happen uh, before something happened. Right. Uh, and if you always make the right decisions, uh, you should go a long way in life, right? That's all, I that's all so. life is about. Yeah. Making decisions between this and this and what's, what's going to push me forward. What's going to take me back. And mm-hmm. hey, okay. That's awesome. That's yeah. a great one. All right. Well, it's been great having you on Todd. Yeah. I think we've learned a lot about self-defense, why it's important, the mindset around it, the mindset around life and how we can be better and always be improving, mm-hmm. not staying stagnant. This has been an awesome episode. Yeah. Really yeah. excited about it. I would encourage any, any coaches or anybody that's listening that, that is involved in other people's lives Try to make yourself better and then make your players or students or athletes or whoever you're training better. Uh, if you're mm. just existing to teach the techniques or the to the sport, uh, there's more to it than that. I think we're better than that. I think no matter what your job is, it's really easy to think, okay, I'm just, this is my job. This is what I do. I'm good at it. I'm just going to keep, keep on with it. But always turning it back on yourself and looking at where you can improve. Mm-hmm like taking ownership of your own Mm self-improvement is so important. And when you're in a role where you're impacting other people, that's directly impacting their self-improvement. Yep. Because if you stay stagnant and they look to you as someone that's going to help them get better, they're going to stay stagnant. Yep. And then that's kind of on you as the, as a coach, I always believe in taking ownership of everything in your life. But in this role of coaching other people, I feel like you should have, that should carry a little bit of weight Mm -hmm. and, you know, you should think about how you are impacting other people and how your commitment to self-improvement is impacting other people. That's a really good thought like to it. close it. 
close it out on. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been the Active Knoxville podcast. So we'll see you guys next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Knoxville podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to leave us a five-star review. If you really want to help us reach more people with this information, take a screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories. Tag us at Active Knoxville and we will repost it. See you guys next time. Thank you.